All right. So super excited for this episode. Um, Welcome to Bottomless Broadway, everyone. This is Cindy, and I'm here with Christine again. Um, Today, we're going to revert back to talking about this Tony Seasons musicals. And today, we're talking about Hadestown. I'm not going to spoiler warning this episode because main plot points stick pretty closely to the Greek myth that they're based on. Um, And I also won't talk about the second act in too much detail. So spoiler alert for the myths, if you don't know those, (laughs) but hopefully you should. Um, All right. You want to give us a lowdown on the myths? All right. So Hades is the god of the underworld. Persephone is Demeter's daughter, also technically Hades' niece. And uh, she's the goddess of flowers. So one day she's just, you know, frolicking in the fields, as you do, because... She loves flowers. And Hades saw her and was like, hey, she's super hot. So I want her to be my queen. So he just bursts out of the ground in his chariot and like kidnaps her. So she disappears. Her mother Demeter, the goddess of the harvest and plants and stuff, realizes her daughter's missing. And she's like, bitch, what? And so Demeter is just super sad that she's not with her daughter anymore. And so then the plants stop growing because Demeter can't be bothered to grow plants when her daughter's in the underworld. And Zeus was like, all right, like, you got to get your shit together, figure it out. He sends Hermes down to the underworld to talk to Hades and be like, hey, plants aren't growing. So Zeus is mad. So like, can you just give back Persephone? But there's a rule that if you go into the underworld and you eat things, you absorb some of the underworld so then you're part of the underworld forever or something like that and persephone was like oh no but i was so hungry i ate six pomegranate seeds and then they basically ended up making a deal where it's like all right for each of those seeds that you ate you'll stay in the underworld for one month out of the year and so persephone spends six months in the underworld and six months with her mother on earth now we have seasons because Demeter's happy when Persephone's with her and then she's not when Persephone's in the underworld so nothing grows anymore. Eurydice and Orpheus were married because they were super happy and Orpheus was this like magical musician person who played amazing music and Eurydice just dies because she gets bitten by a snake and Orpheus is super sad so plays super sad music. Everyone on earth is sad with him And he gets this brilliant idea to go down to the underworld and be like, I'm going to save Eurydice again. And so he goes, he plays his music. Everyone's sad. So everyone's like, go on your journey. Then he gets to Hades and Persephone, who's there. And he plays that same super sad music. They both cry and they're like, all right, you can have Eurydice back. But you should turn around and walk out of the underworld the way you came. But don't look back. Eurydice is going to be following you. But like, you just have to trust us. Don't check to see if she's there until the sun hits her. And so he keeps walking. He doesn't hear anything. And so he's like, oh, shit, is she really following me? And then he finally gets to the entrance and he sees the sun and he's like, oh, good, the sun's here. And so he turns around, but the sun wasn't on Eurydice yet. And so he sees her, but then she also disappears. It's a tragedy. Yep. So, okay. So in Hades Town, these two stories are like intertwined or whatever. Not like super intricately, but basically 
what happens is Eurydice is this like cynical starving girl who meets Orpheus, um, who is this like heads in the cloud poet. They fall in love in the summertime and then Hades like beckons Persephone home. So winter comes. Orpheus is basically like too much of a starving artist to provide for Eurydice. So Hades takes his chance to like seduce her into the underworld. So that's basically like how they're brought together. So there's a lot of winners in the cast and the track list and it's a pretty serious show but like the lyrics are so smart sometimes that it's also funny. I'll just like go down the track list and Mm -hmm highlight some stuff and you can chime in we'll figure it out because it's so good so as some background as to how this recording came to be the original concept recording was recorded in 2010 um, but it was actually based off a community theater production in 2006 and the writer Anais Mitchell is actually a folk writer and she was saying how she would go to concerts of even her favorite musicians and just get kind of bored because Each song was its own thing, but like all the songs were kind of the same. So she really loved songs that told a story and song-driven storytelling. And so that's how she came up with this whole thing. The track is this like really carefully curated blend of contemporary folk and like New Orleans jazz kind of. And Eurydice and Orpheus take on like the folk stories and then um, Persephone and Hermes take on like the jazz part of it. And then Patrick Page just growls as Hades. I don't I don't know. <laughs> it's so beautiful. He's just ruining his vocal cord, but all good things come out of sacrifice. He's taken one for the team. Anyways. All right. I'll just get started, I guess. The first song is called Road to Hell, and it's kind of this like theme song. Um, Hermes, who narrates the entire show, sings it. And the main line is, on the road to hell, there is a railroad line. And that's because Hermes is portrayed as a train conductor um, and he uses this song as like a chance to characterize everyone because everyone's characterized a little differently Persephone is kind of this like flower power druggy, <laughs> and then Hades is like a godfather mafia steel tycoon kind of guy <laughs> and like the second line in this song is don't ask where brother don't ask when so like they're clearly not going for a lot of continuity in terms of the setting Um, which surprisingly works and the only locations you really get is on the road to hell in Hades town and it's all done on this really small stage that they share with the orchestra but it's done really well and I'll probably like talk about staging a little more but once upon a time there was a railroad line don't ask where brother don't ask where one thing about um, Hermes as a narrator when they first put it up in 2014 which wasn't the first edition of it but the first real stage version of it um they got a lot of feedback that was like these are really good songs but I have no clue what's happening and that's when Hermes was kind of more developed as a narrator in that production he was played by Taylor Mack who also actually has another play on Broadway right now oh so that's why the 2010 recording doesn't have Road to Hell I see well that was a really smart edition yeah, they added 15 songs in that edition to sort of flesh out the story. Like, quick background, there's two-ish, two and a half cast recordings. There's the concept one that you're talking about, and then there's a live recording that came out in 2017. And then in 2016, there was a mini album that just had four songs. But after Road to Hell, we have a Eurydice solo and an Orpheus solo. Um, anyway, the Wind Blows 
is basically you're just like, I can hold my own because people suck. Um, so if that's your Tumblr aesthetic, you'll probably <laughs> like this song. But honestly, like, I don't think the solo, especially like ballad solo songs in this play are the best numbers. Also, I don't know if Any Way the Wind Blows was written for this because it's actually off of one of her other albums called Zoa, I believe. It's spelled X-O-A, which came out in 2014. And it included new songs and old songs. So it had Why We Build the Wall, which existed before. But anyway, The Wind Blows was an original song on this recording. So I don't know if she wrote it for Hadestown and just released it on this album or if it just was like, hey, this works too. The next song is an Orpheus solo, which is at least is a little funnier. It's called Come Home With Me. Basically, Orpheus sees Eurydice. Hermes is like, keep your cool, man. And he walks up to her and he's like, come home with me. The next song is an Orpheus and Eurydice duet, which is actually pretty well done. Basically, Eurydice is just like questioning Orpheus on like why she should marry him. And a lot of the lines are really, really clever. So it starts with, lover, tell me if you can, who's going to buy the wedding bands? And Orpheus says, like, when I sing my song, all the rivers are going to sing along. The rivers are going to break their banks for me. The river is going to give us the wedding bands. And it keeps going with kind of these, like, puns, basically. Lover, tell me if you're able, who's going to lay the wedding table? But then the final one, like, had me laughing so hard. Basically, she says, lover, tell me when we're wed, who's going to make the wedding bed? And he's like, lover, when I sing my song, all the birds will come flying. The birds are going to make our wedding bed. And I'm like, wait, what? He's literally saying, like, (laughs) I'm so talented. I can turn myself into a Disney princess. Well, it doesn't work for Eurydice either. So he eventually says, I can have a song that's so amazing that it can bring back summer or bring back spring or something so she's like fine sing it and that's basically the epics singing la, 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 la. La, 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 and the epics are three songs on the track list it's like the same melody but the lyrics differ a little from each one so are these epics all supposed to be that one song that's supposed to bring back is it supposed to be the same song or is it like a theme um it's supposed to be the same song because basically right now it can bring back summer but when he finishes Mm -hmm. the song later on the play it's the one that he sings to go through the gates of hell gotcha so it's like that one song that Roger keeps trying to write in red. But um, Okay, so the lyrics in this one are actually pretty good, too. Um, the overarching theme through all of the epics is like, Hades owns so much, but nothing he owns means anything. And a line I really like is, the river Styx was a river of stones, which if you know hmm. mythology, yeah. is pretty clever. So he brings back Summer, and Eurydice's like, cool, I'm convinced, let's get married. And then, and then the next. I mean, come on. (laughs) Yep. So the next song is "Living It Up on Top," which is a Persephone song. She literally steps off the train from Hades Town because it's summer, so she's back now. She's back. Yep. And um, I mean, the title is a pun, like "Living It Up on Top," as opposed to "Underground." Which leads right into the next one, which is All I've Ever Known, 
And this is a duet, but it's like a lot of Eurydice and it kind of reminds me of I Don't Know How to Love Him from Jesus Christ Superstar, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because she's like, all I've ever known is how to be alone or whatever, but now I like this guy. And here's where I think like Reeve Kearney actually really stood out because Ava is such like a classic belter that when they sang Wedding Song... Reeve Carney's voice seemed super weak, but then in this one, there's this one part where literally, like, she's singing at, like, an octave that's, like, not high, but it's, like, a comfortable middle female range, kind of. I was preparing for the octave to drop for Orpheus to come in, but he just, like, took her scale and kept going. So that was super cool. We'll stay with each other. Always be like this. I'm gonna hold you forever. The wind will never change on us. You can also really hear his range um, in the epic. Basically, when you go see the show, you'll realize like how high his voice goes. Whereas on the 2010 recording, um, Orpheus doesn't actually go high on the epics at all. They have a bunch of like backing vocals that like harmonizes so it sounds higher. He's got a great range for the songs he has to pull off in this show. And then the next song is, in my opinion, like the highlight. It's called Way Down Hades Town, so it has the show's name in it. Summer's already over, and this is the first time that Hades really comes on stage to pick up Persephone. It's the greatest song ever. Um, I don't know. It's just super catchy. The whole ensemble's involved. A great line is when, so Persephone's talking about how she doesn't want to go to Hades Town, and she said down there it's a bunch of stiffs brother I'll be bored to death which if you're counting is two dead jokes in one line so that's amazing it's also a really jazzy number there's like um, a little like riff for the orchestra to show off all them shiny little heads and tails where do you think they come from they come from way down Hades Town How big is the orchestra, actually? Seven people. Okay, so not very big. Not big at all. Orpheus does play an electric guitar sometimes on stage. I think he's really playing it since Reeve Carney has his own band. But because Orpheus plays the lyre, they have to keep calling the electric guitar the lyre, which is really <laughs> funny because it's just like bright orange electric guitar. And also it gives Eurydice the chance to say like, wow, a player and a liar, which is a oh pretty cheap joke, but that's fine. Um, and the fates also sometimes play their instruments. Cool. Yeah, so stuff happens. She goes to the underworld. And then I don't care about a bunch of songs until chant, which um, doesn't really sound like a chant. It's when Persephone finds out that Hades has been running a sweatshop in his backyard. So she's really pissed off. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, and it borrows actually the tune of Wedding Song a little bit, but she's so mad that, like, you don't really notice it's the same tune until you listen to the cast recording a few times. Think of it as my desire for you. I'll sing a song of a love gone wrong. A love gone wrong, all right. Every year they have this fight. So Hades has one song that goes into a song with the fates but um it starts with hey little songbird which transitions into when the chips are down and basically this is when hades is like hey eurydice 
come to hell with me. Is there a reason why he's trying to get her to go with him? Or... Kind of. So in in Way Down Hades Town, she says something that catches his attention. I think she says, so the fates think Mr. Hades is a mighty king, must be making some mighty big deals. Seems like he owns everything. And Eurydice basically like runs up right in front of him and says, kind of makes you wonder how it feels. So he's like, oh, I know what okay. she wants. All right, because Orpheus is like this broke musician. Exactly. And it's so funny because in Hey Little Songbird, he actually says, hey, little songbird, let me guess. He's some kind of poet and he's penniless. <laughs> it's not a clever line, but I think it's really funny because it's like he sounds like a dad. He's like, nope, don't go with that guy. I want to lie down forever. Hey, little songbird. You got something fine. You shine like a diamond down in the mine. At the end of Hey Little Songbird, he says a line that's something like, people get mean when the chips are down. And then to complete this like gambling analogy, he actually pulls out poker chips from his pocket. He puts them in his hand and shakes them. And then it makes like a rattling noise. And Hermes comes out and says songbird versus rattlesnake like the myth because Eurydice died from being bitten by exactly so that was super clever and then also after he's finished shaking these chips when he opens his hand they're coins so it's her train fare to Hades town on Hermes railroad wait for me is also a song where Orpheus really gets to show off his voice but basically he's like wait where the fuck's my wife I finished this song that's going to bring back spring again. And then Hermes is like, uh, yeah, she she basically chose death over you. So, <laughs> so he's like, okay. I that must hurt. Yep. He's like, I need to go find her. And Hermes is like, all right, let me like show you the back door, basically. So Hermes is like rap talk narrating how to get to Hades Town, And then um, Orpheus has this really pretty chorus. Wait for me. I'm coming. And then we get to the song right before intermission. I promise I won't go through act two in so much detail, but act one has like every song so good. Last song act one is Why We Build the Wall. Which should be noted was written before Donald Trump even came onto the presidential scene. Yep. This one should be called Chant because it's so powerful that like I really wanted to chant along with it. And I can't believe it's pre-Trump because let me just like read a line of the lyrics. So Hades is like standing on a balcony and he's like why do we build the wall my children my children and then all the people in Hades town respond to him they say because we have what they have not because they want what we have got the enemy is poverty and we build the wall to keep us free hmm. i mean that's like spot on like Hades town predicted trump <laughs> i don't i mean it's still propaganda though and they like make that really clear it's like followed later on by like the blind eyes of the factory workers and all this stuff but even though this was written pre-Trump, I think in 2016 or something, um, they released an official music video for it. And in the music videos, they cut in voice recordings of Ronald Reagan saying, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall um, right next to Trump speaking about building a wall. Oh, that's interesting. So they took a stance on it eventually. Yeah. They're like, we got to capitalize on this one. One of the things that they added in their Canada run, which was before West End in 2017, that was when the workers' chorus was added. They didn't have that in the off-Broadway one, but it was the idea of introducing stakes because 
otherwise it's kind of like oh cool like orpheus is just this one dude going to hell to get his wife back or whatever but now they have these workers to sort of show hey whatever orpheus does will also impact them in the outcome Well, in 2016, they also released that mini album with only four songs, and they titled the mini album Why We Build the Wall as well. So we have mm-hmm. three recordings of Why We Build the Wall, even though the Broadway cast recording isn't out yet. It's post-Trump. Um, I got over it. It'd be insulting to Hades anyway, because at least when he says everything in my kingdom I own, he's telling the truth. Plus, no. Patrick Page is so beautiful. His voice vibrates me down under. He's an amazing man. <laughs> really cool easter egg is that in act two after eurydice is in hades town he has the sleeves rolled up to his elbows and on his forearm he has a tattoo of a brick wall like the pink floyd album oh cool so that was super cool i actually was i like didn't really expect them to be doing something like that so i was like maybe patrick page is a big pink floyd fan and he just has this tattoo and it worked out but he does not have that tattoo after intermission. So first song back to is Our Lady of the Underground, which is basically Persephone complaining about being Hades' wife. She's like, well, it's fucking dark down here. But the great thing about this song isn't so much the song itself, even though Amber Gray rocks it. She introduces all seven of the orchestra members by name, and you can hear it on the 2017 recording. Like their actual name or character names? They're not characters. Um, she introduces their name. She's like, oh, let's give it up for this guy on the drums. So like she names all of them and it stays on the recording. So that was super cool because they definitely deserve some name recognition. Um, most of act two happens in Hades town. It's so cool. When they get to Hades town, like the ceilings and the walls start playing inception and like the ceiling literally like lifts up a little. And then there's a platform in the center of the stage that goes down and up. So it serves as like an entrance and an exit and it elevates. And around that circle that rises, there's two outer rings that can spin in different directions. So it's like super mystical and they have a lot of fog on the ground. So it really works with the context. Um, And that's kind of why... I said that I'm actually happy that this wasn't done in the round because if I were looking down on the stage, then it would have ruined that a lot. Right. That turntable was actually added in London. And Mm. it seems like the main reason was because in London, the UK gives like a huge stipend for the arts Mm -hmm. and for developing shows and stuff. And so they're like, we have money now. We could do cool things with staging. Because back in Off-Broadway, it was in the round. And it was still kind of a semi-concert format with, like, microphones that you could see and Mm. handheld, I think. Okay. So they really did a lot of the major staging changes in some of them in Canada, but mostly in London was where it really came together. Eurydice realizes it's a trick. She wants to go home with Orpheus. Orpheus obviously makes it to Hadestown. And he begs Hades to let her go. Um, and and then, yeah, so a lot of this is part of Chant 2 and a few other songs. It's kind of most of Act 2, to be honest. And in <laughs> Chant 2, they use the outer rings that spin kind of like like it denotes loyalty, kind of, because Persephone like gets – so they're all walking on the circle around Eurydice, who's on the center circle. 
And then they're walking on these spinning rings that are spinning in two different directions. And at first, Hades and Persephone are walking on the same ring that's like going clockwise or whatever. And then Orpheus is walking on his own ring going counterclockwise. But then when Persephone gets moved by his story, she like switches rings. And then she's like talking directly to Hades. So that was super cool. And basically, Chantu was really funny as well um, since they're both trying to give love advice um like persephone both is hades like, and persephone yeah persephone's like you're to see when i was a young girl i thought he loved me too like don't get tricked <laughs> when i was a young girl now you know how it tastes the fruit of mr hades ways sister it's a bitter wine spit it out white still have time <laughs> and then hades is like he's like basically doing the same thing for um orpheus Hang a chain around her throat, made of many carat gold. Shackle her from wrist to wrist with stole- with sterling silver bracelets. Fill her pockets full of stones, precious ones, diamonds, blah, blah, blah. So he is saying, like, pamper her, but then he's saying in all these, like, tie her down ways. Mm-hmm. That's, like, the main song that I wanted to highlight on Act 2. We also get to Wait For Me, the reprise, which is a really standard reprise of the first Wait For Me, except Eurydice. It's an ensemble song, but Eurydice kind of takes the lead on it and sings that really pretty chorus that Orpheus sang in Act Mm 1 because, like, she's following him out of Hadestown, so she's saying Wait For Me. Um, It's really nice because it's kind of like one last chance for Ava to show off her amazing voice. Persephone convinces Hades to feel moved and Hades feels moved and he's like, ah, babe, I still like you. Let's fall in love again next fall. And she's like, cool. Um, okay. And, um, and then What's that called when it's like a, a May to October romance or something like that? But it's like <laughs> the opposite. They're, um, they're, what's that? They're like a cuffing season fling. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's perfect, right? That's, like, all anyone ever wants anymore. Exactly. So he's, like, super moved, actually. But then he has a lot of toxic man pride. And he's like, well, if I let Eurydice out of hell, everyone's going to start telling me they want to go back to life. I mean, that makes sense. So that's why why he, like, sets this challenge. Anywho, that's all I wanted to go over on the track list. Well, okay. The staging... Super cool because, like I said, they barely have props and it's mostly just this floor stuff. Um, but they also do some really good work with lighting. Um, when Eurydice first goes into Hades Town and she's like in the factory with the workers who are all blind and unseeing, um, they're on like the spinning turntables. But while it's spinning, they like always keep her a shade lighter and they do a lot of stuff like that. And also mm-hmm. in the first Wait for Me song. Um, because it's technically like also Orpheus's journey into Hades Town, um, they wanted to like make it kind of dangerous. So mm-hmm. the ensemble members, there's only five ensemble members. They have like a little breakdancing moment in Road to Hell, so they're like really good on introducing all the minor characters. Does that include the Fates or are the Fates separate? No, the Fates are separate. They get introduced to in Road to Hell. Um, Hermes actually says something like, "There's three old ladies all dressed the same, except in this production." Um, they're actually super hot young women who are really <laughs> sassy. All three of them shoot him like a dirty look because they're like, excuse yourself. Right. Okay. So on some members come on and these giant hanging lamps drop from the ceiling, hanging on like just one string each around the stage. 
and the ensemble members actually pull back the lights and then let them go so that they're literally swinging around like in front of Orpheus and Orpheus is standing like at the edge of the front stage like downstage so like if they got the angles wrong one would just hit him and he would fall off basically (laughs) um but they have like five six just like giant swinging lamps going around him um while like the rest of the lights are totally dimmed down one of the things about staging and how innovative it is and how you mentioned that it doesn't sound like any broadway score you've ever heard when Anais Mitchell first wrote the music she was like okay cool like I wrote this I don't know if it's ever gonna make it to the stage because I don't think there's any director who wouldn't want to like shoehorn me into a specific box and so she it kind of sounded like she almost gave up on it but then she saw the off-Broadway production of um, The Great Comet of 1812 which was directed by Rachel Chapkin who is now also the director of um, Hadestown and she was like oh my god this is amazing and so she got in contact with Rachel Chafkin and I guess pitched it to her and they've been working on it. She's worked on all the stage versions. So basically been there since the beginning. And for context, Great Comet was kind of this like environmental, they had audience members on stage. They had main characters, not just ensembles singing in the mezzanine. And they just turned the whole theater into this like Russian supper club, I think. And it was insane. And so that's sort of the kind of creative energy that, Rachel Chavkin brought. Yeah. So honestly, loved this show. It's been a, a grand two weeks of shows for me. And everything that I've seen, like as I'm walking out, granted, like Beetlejuice and Tootsie don't have cast recordings, but every show I walk out of, I'm like, mm, I can't wait to listen to Hades Town on my subway ride home. <laughs> I'm so obsessed with the cast recording. And like, like I said, the Broadway one isn't even out yet. I put together this like, well, okay. So the Broadway one is actually a mashup of the 2010 and then 2016 or 2017 recordings. Um, and it also has some new songs that aren't on either. So I had to like create my own little mashup playlist album. Yeah. Basically like barring Hamilton, this is the best show currently on Broadway. And if you disagree with me, you are wrong. <laughs> this is wonderful. I'm so obsessed with it. I want to see it 2,000 more times and then again. It's actually really cool because you can hear, like if you look at, if you listen to both of the albums, you can hear all the changes that were made from 2010 to 2017. And there are a lot of changes and you can also hear like the different ways that the characters on stage now chose to depict their characters as opposed to mm-hmm. on the cast recording because Hermes actually sounds quite different in the 2017 recording than he does now um and I don't think like one's necessarily better but it's just yeah it's cool Orpheus apparently I think changed the most and that was one of the things Anais Mitchell mentioned about the London run was she re- rewrote Orpheus a lot and Orpheus was the hardest character for her because it was too close to her own life as a singer-songwriter and Reeve Carney actually mentioned he's like I'm so glad I didn't have to re-audition for Orpheus because the character is so different now like I would not have been able to do it so interesting um, I guess expect changes there he pulls it off really well okay so like I said in the 2010 recording Orpheus has a much deeper voice right And so he Mm kind of just sounds like your typical lead guy, whereas in this production, he's, like, shy and awkward and extra uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, But I can actually see Reeve Carney pulling off, like, 
both of those and everything in between because I was so shocked when you told me he was in I Knew You Were Trouble. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was the male guy who's just there to pose, really, in Taylor Swift's music video. Exactly. Search him up. His mom also sells jewelry and hijacks his magazine photo shoots and then photoshops (laughs) earrings onto them. It's so funny. But also shout out to her because she liked our tweet. Anyways. Yeah, um, very supportive mom. Everything on everything on her Twitter is about Hades Ten right now, and actually, that's how I found out that Anais Mitchell is um, the first time in forty years that a woman uh, wrote the book, score, and lyrics of one musical all alone on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And she might be the first person to win for all of those too, because. We mentioned in Kinky Boots how Cindy Lauper was the first person to win, first solo person to win for um, doing score, music. right? I think score, yeah. Yeah. And then Fun Home, a couple years later, was the first musical to win for all-female creative team, so book and score. And so I don't think there's one female that's won both of those. Ooh, okay. So keep an eye out. Well, it probably has a great chance because... Unless Ain't Too Proud ends up being the shit. I mean, they won't win score, Yeah, they can't win score. They can win book. Yeah. Um, My standout actress is Amber Gray. So the biggest thing up in the air is whether Persephone Hades versus Orpheus Eurydice is leading versus featured. Most people seem to think it's going to be Orpheus Eurydice leading and Persephone Hades featured. And you mentioned Eurydice Bell's last, so. Orpheus and Eurydice um, Bell last, but uh, Hades and Persephone were leading off Broadway. So right. I guess a lot has so, changed. I don't really well, know. Well, wait for the Tony committee to figure that out. Um, but definitely all four are going to get nominations unless they decide to sh- put all of them in the same category, which. Would probably be dumb, but they could still all get nominations. Yeah. I think if um so Hermes is definitely gonna be supporting. I think if Hades is supporting, he might kick Hermes out of supporting. Mm-hmm. I think if Orpheus is supporting, it would be really tight. So right. between Orpheus and Hermes. Hermes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Orpheus doesn't get a lot of love, but I actually really like him. Yeah. He has- I think um, he's the one that's, out of the main four, he's the one that's most likely not going to get a nomination. Not to say that he won't, but, like, if you could pick one to not nominate in those four, it would be Orpheus, is what it yeah. seems like. Hermes is, like, close up there with him, though. Right. I mean, they're both really good. Like, I think all five of these characters are incredible. I'm, I'd be totally okay if Barry Glickman didn't get a nomination. <laughs> yeah, from the prom. Uh-huh. Well, so, leading actor, the prediction is Santino's just going to take it, like, no questions asked. Unless he's maybe up against Patrick Page, seems to be his biggest competition. But, again, we don't even know that yet. I don't think Patrick Page could win over him. Santino is so feminine. <laughs> he, like, shaves his chest every day for this role. Okay, so um, I think they contour boobs onto him. <laughs> um, they like contour cleavage onto his chest. Moving on, I really think Amber Gray could take whatever category she's in. Yeah, 
I mean, Ain't Too Proud doesn't give her competition. Lydia in Beetlejuice will not be good enough. I'm sorry. She's like 16. I don't want to diss children. But whatever. <laughs> um, um, yeah, the girl. I don't even know if the girl in Tootsie will be considered leading. Will she? No. Everyone's saying Tootsie will be featured. Um, both. Okay. In leading, the main competition is um, Kiss Me Kate with Kelly O'Hara or Cher with Stephanie J. Block. Oh, yeah. Um, I forgot about those. Yeah. Eh, Cher. No. Everyone's predicting it's no. Stephanie J. Block's year, though, because she's been passed up so many times. And she's, like, the only good thing about oh. the show, apparently. It didn't save the show. <laughs> yeah. And in <laughs> Featured, um, there's Stephanie Styles in Kiss Me Kate, Sarah Styles in Tootsie. Maybe Angie and Trom. I literally sleep next to the girl that PRs share show, but I still hate it. <laughs> but yeah, so I think um, she has a good chance for yeah. a feature. Also, more random stuff. What are all the categories? Let me pull up those Tony categories again. Lighting, set, direction are all definitely nominations. I think they'll get probably. all those. Um, sound design is always a tricky one. Orchestrations probably know. just because it's unconventional. They're uh, not going to get choreo. <laughs> they don't really dance. There's like one and a half dances and a lot of body movement, but I don't. It's think also a strong choreo. choreo year between um, all the other shows that I can't recall right now. <laughs> Kiss and Kate, Tootsie, maybe um, prom for sure. Tootsie has good choreo. Yeah, maybe Pretty Woman, maybe. I think Head Over Heels is still a long stretch, yeah. but like whatever. Um, Beetlejuice but... also has no choreo, so yeah, that's out. I think it might get a scenic design nom, but I don't think it has any a good chance. Oh, really? Um, no. I mean, Beetlejuice had such a good set. Tootsie had a really good set too. Okay. Um, if it isn't apparent, I haven't seen this yet. Um, it's definitely at the top of my list, and I'm like slightly worried. I'm not going to be able to get tickets for a reasonable price just because looking at the rush line reports people are going at like 5 or 6 a.m and i'm kind of not down if you don't know what to see i'd say put hades town on your top because it'll win everything i literally had the chance to see this in 2016 in the off-broadway run and i was like oh maybe not and i literally remember thinking what if it's the next hamilton and then i still didn't watch it so okay see (laughs) listen up if you're a dumb tourist and you come into the city for a two-day trip thinking you'll see Hamilton and you can't and then you end up seeing Chicago, do yourself a favor and don't see Chicago and see Hades Town. <laughs> it's so good. I'm I'm waiting for like an album date because I really need it. You can follow us at Bottomless B-Way on Twitter or email us bottomlessbway at gmail.com. And we have a blog now. And so that is bottomlessbeeway.home.blog. Cindy has a nice little review up of Nassim, which you saw with Patrick Page. So if you want to hear more about Nassim, go ahead and read that. Um, I'm very excited about the blog. We're going to use it to talk about like off-Broadway and off-season shows. Mm-hmm. So Shows that aren't this Tony season that we've seen in the past or even shows that are on now but aren't in the season. Whatever the fuck we want to talk about. So yeah, we'll each have our own little column. It'll be great. Yep, follow us, like us, subscribe to us. Um, Rate us on iTunes because we are on yes, iTunes now, so that. you can do that. Okay, cool. Goodbye. All right, until next time.